church. That's some pretty good music. I was going to start doing a groove up here, but I don't want everybody to run out of here, so <laughs> let's not do that. I'd like to welcome everybody online. I'm glad you're watching with us tonight because we have got some amazing word coming forth tonight, and so I just want to welcome everybody tonight. Glad you're here. Glad you're not outside burning up. Praise God for air conditioning and whoever thought that idea up. That was a good man or a woman or a woman. I want to get myself in trouble there. Well, we are glad you're here tonight. Let me go over a couple of announcements. So, Train Bible College is open for enrollment. Classes starting August 8th. And if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Train Bible College. As a third-year graduate, I loved it. Um, even if you're not going to go into the five-fold ministry, the first two years is learning the different books of the Bible you go through the entire book. Um, there's topics that you're going to study in there that will help your walk. It'll help your, your testimony. It'll help you get confidence where you can talk to people about God and about Jesus. It really helps your everyday walk. So it's not just about, do you want to be a preacher? You know, not everybody's meant to be a preacher. But everybody is meant to learn more about Christ. Everybody's meant to get more confidence so that you can share. Um, you know, I was just sharing with a guy this morning. It just came out of nowhere. I didn't, I didn't even plan on talking to him about the Lord. And I went all the way through the death and burial and resurrection. And I, I was just like, wow, where is this coming from? Well, it came from college. It came from, from trained Bible college. 
You know, it was all information that was downloaded. And the Lord just said, okay, well, let's just use that one. And let's use that one. And let's use that one. And praise God for the Holy Spirit because there's only so much you can hold in your brain, you know. There's only so much you can retain. And I tell my wife that all the time. Uh, sorry, honey, I forgot because there's just not enough RAM. If you could get me some more RAM up here, I'd be all right. And she, she doesn't buy it. But that's all right. I, I understand. I understand. So if you're considering going to train Bible college, I would say go. It is worth every penny what you're going to spend. And the teaching, um, I had a year at uh, Raymond Bible College and had to leave because of my business. And the teaching you get here is just as good or better as what I got at Raymond Bible College. And you know why? It's because the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the same everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you're here or if you're down the road. If you're at a Bible-believing, Jesus-believing, Holy Spirit-believing college, you're going to learn. And you're going to learn no matter where you're at. And so I just want to put in a good kudos for uh, Train Bible College. I'm glad that Pastor and, and the staff take the time to put the uh, uh, curriculum together and to let us have a part of that. Because otherwise, who knows if I'd have ever got to go back to Rama and finish. But it's so easy when you can meet here on a Monday night or a Tuesday night and get that, get that training. So praise God. God is good, right? All right. So don't forget about the Dominican Republic fireworks fundraiser. Is anybody here going to buy fireworks? Just a couple of you? Well, I'm buying. Okay, now I'm going to tell you right now. I have not bought fireworks in years, not since the kids were little. And it's just a lot of work because I'm the one that has to clean it all up, right? So I made a deal with the older kids now that they're older. I said, look, I'll buy the fireworks. You set it off but you clean up the mess. I'm going to sit in my lazy chair right there in front, and I'm going to sit in the shade, and I'm going to watch. So I bought that big box out there. So nobody get that box. It's the last one. So I'm being serious. If somebody goes home with it, I'll chase you down. It'll be like a Cabbage Patch doll back in the 80s. I'm telling you right now. I, I will go to jail again. I have no problem. I mean, I'll go to jail. Sorry. Anyway, make sure you guys support the, the Dominican Republic trip because that money is fundraising for that. Um, also, who likes God on Film? God on Film starts uh, July 3rd, next Sunday. We're only having one service. So we're going to be here at 9 o'clock. Don't come at 11 o'clock. You'll be sitting in the heat because they'll turn the air conditioner off and it will not be fun in here. So one service, 9 o'clock, next Sunday. And it's God on film. No? Two weeks. Okay. Amber was like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, two weeks. You got two weeks to prepare for it. All right. So, so next Sunday, two services. Like I was saying, there's one at 9 and one at 11. Don't worry. You got plenty of time. You can come catch what's going on. But the week after that, one service. All right. I got the thumbs up. We're good. Okay. So do not forget that, but God on film is so cool to be able to take a, a, a movie and parts of a movie and show God, show God's goodness and show God's glory in what Satan has used in the world for bad. To me, that's awesome. Every time we've ever done that here, I always see a movie and I'm like, 
I don't know if that's a movie I'd be want to watch, but then they pull parts of it out, and I see God in that, and that's amazing. That is amazing. It's funny how God takes what the devil meant for bad and turns it into good, right? Always. That is my Father in heaven right there. All right, and finally, don't forget men's game night. Yeah! That is this Friday. We are going to have a nacho bar. All you can eat nachos, unless it runs out. So I suggest you be at the front of the line. And the bowls are about that big. So, no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're good-sized bowls. So come out and get you some nachos. We're going to play games. Just have some fellowship. Just have a men's time. Just develop some relationships. Get to know each other. Play cards. There's no guns, no knives allowed. So except mine. Except mine. I'll be walking around, and I'll make sure that everybody stays under control. It'll be like on that movie Maverick. I'll be the only gun until you find out that there's 14 of them in the room. So anyway, um, 10 bucks. I mean, you can't go eat dinner for 10 bucks. So come eat some nachos with us and hang out with us. It's from 6.30 to 9 this Friday. So you ladies, if you want to get rid of your husband for a couple hours, tell him to come up here. We're going to be over in the Area 51 building. So it'll be fun. It'll be a chance to get to know some people. All right, now time for praising with our offering. Yeah, there you go. God is good. God is good. He gives us an opportunity to give. He gives us an opportunity to participate in seed time and harvest. He gives us an opportunity to be able to sow and then reap. And he is so good. He is so good because you can't outgive God. You give it and he's going to give more. Because if you're willing to give, he knows that. And he's going to give you more so that you can give more. So I don't want to preach to you because Miss Rhonda's got an awesome message tonight. So you've got different ways of giving. You can do online at lake-church.com, which if you're watching online, super easy to do that. Or you can do it on, I think, on the Facebook page. I think you can give also. Uh, You can do envelopes on the seat back in front of you. You can do text to give, which the number is right there. Or you can use the new Church Center app, which I think is awesome. It is really cool. Literally, you hit the giving button, it pops up, you tell how much you want to give, and it goes. Now, that's after you've set it up, obviously, which took me three and a half days. But that's, we're not going to talk about that part of it, okay? I did get it set up, and so now I just hit the giving button. I put in how much I want to give and hit send, and that's it. And that's amazing. God is good. Through technology, God is good. Even though I think computers are a fad, they're going to go away. But, see, you laugh. But, seriously, all it takes is one good EMP, and we're right back there where I need to be. So, all right. So, let's, uh, if you guys have got your offerings, let's pray over them. Father, I just exalt you and I praise you. Father, you are good. You are good. You give every good and perfect gift. Father, you love us so much. And I just praise you for your son that died on a cross, that went to hell and was rose again for us, for me. That, Father God, you would have done it if it was just for me, but you did it for all of us. And I just praise you and I glorify you. Father, I just ask you to bless this offering, Lord, that you take it under your heart, Lord, that you take it under your heart as praise, as our way of worshiping you with our giving. And I just pray that we all have a cheerful heart about it, That we give because we want to, Lord. That we give because we want to participate in your kingdom. 
And I just exalt you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we get to hear from Miss Rhonda Barnell. Good evening, everybody. So my name is Rhonda Varnell, and for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Kevin's wife. Some people say his better half, but, you know, <laughs> you agree, so that's good news. Um, so I wanted to make sure you all knew who I was, plus some of you might be thinking, who is this woman here? We never see her here, really, on a Wednesday night. Well, that's because I serve over in Area 51, so... So that's um, quite a challenge at times. Always keep those leaders in your prayers, okay? But um, I just wanted to share with you all, you know the title here. You can see it up there, and I love the graphic. Mark did that, and it was a great job. It's to reject rejection. But I wanted to let you know how that title came about. It was about maybe four or five months ago, right down here during worship, as we were singing and praising and worshiping God, I heard those words, reject, rejection, come into my spirit. And I was like, oh, God, that would be a great message. And then I thought, well, who am I going to share it with? You know, because I have not been up here in at least four or five years and ministered um, here in main service. So I just thought, well, okay, whatever, kind of got in my flesh. But when I got home, I just really felt like God impressed on me, you need to get something in your back pocket and be ready. So I, after lunch that day, and I was telling Kevin about it, but after lunch that day, I opened up my laptop, and I thought, okay, where do I start? Where do I start studying about this? And, you know, what scriptures can I look at? And I thought, well, I'll just Google reject rejection. And when I did, there is so much about rejection. And actually, the title, Reject Rejection, there's like hundreds of articles. There's books. Joyce Myers has a book on Reject Rejection. I mean, that's the name of it. You know, I didn't know that. And I was like, well, this isn't anything unique or original. And I just shut my laptop and thought, I got in my flesh, that's for sure. And I thought, God, I mean, I thought you really gave me something that people needed to hear. And it's all out there. It's on the World Wide Web. And we'll teach you how to get there. Okay, we'll help you out. <laughs> so as I was sitting there in my flesh, I just feel, really felt like that God impressed on me. Rhonda, I have asked you to prepare for this. I have asked you to study this because one day you're going to share this message. So I started. And like I said, there's so much information out there, and you can look at things from so many different angles. Um, but I just started putting some notes down and putting it together. And then um, I started serving back over in Area 51. I worked with junior high. And I think it was around March. And I had already had this, but I just started doing, like, offering or, you know, worship and playing with the kids or whatever, doing games. And then one uh, day I get a text from Miss Bobby, and it said, Hey, would you mind ministering a two-week series in junior high? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure I will, because I knew it was my opportunity to share this message. And when you think about junior high kids, that is a tough age, because they're, like, trying to transition out of being little kids and playing with their dolls and their cars and, you know, trying to act like they're grown up because they're going to be going into high school soon. So that 
they deal with rejection all the time. And if we can kind of nip that in the bud, they can have a better life than any of us. So I was real excited about it. So just so you'll know, um, you're not the first to hear this. <laughs> so, so you're getting the leftovers. No, it's really not. Um, but then it was after, I think it was the second week that I was sharing it with the kids. It's when Pastor Kevin said, hey, would you want to minister in June when pastor's off? And I was like, yeah, because I know what I'm going to talk about already. So I thought, well, I'll just tweak it a little bit because we're talking to kids and then we're going to come into adults or whatever. So I worked on it a lot, and then God took me right back to the original message. So you get to hear what they got to hear. There might be a few things I share that I might not have shared with them um, because of, you know, their age and stuff like that. But I just thank God for this opportunity because through it, it's really spoke to me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be affected by the message before we bring it to anyone. And um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but God has shown me a lot um, going through this. And it's like I said, it's just really helped me. But he was just speaking to me and he said, how are you going to fulfill your purpose if you are living with the wounds of rejection. Think about that. We each have a calling. We each have a special purpose that he gave us. But how many in here are comfortable, and some of you are, but I know some of you aren't, praying in front of others? I'm very uncomfortable. I'm getting really better because of this. Um, just, you know, if they ask you to you know, speak or greet people at the door. A lot of us aren't doing it because wounds of rejection is what it is, because we're afraid of what other people are going to think. And just real quickly, I'll just share, um, Pastor Kevin and I had our own church in Drumright for years, and we only did Wednesday night and Sunday night services. And through that, uh, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Greg connected, and we had Lake Church Walton at the time that only did Sunday morning uh, services. So that's how we got connected with Lake Church. So we started going over there on Sunday mornings. Um, hold on a second. I think that's one of the worst things is your mouth gets so dry when you're talking so much. Plus you're a little nervous. Um, so from there, then we closed down our church in 2015 and ended up here full time. And the first time I was asked to get up and I don't even know what it was, maybe offering or transition or something like that, I just like, I can't do it. And Kevin was like, why? I mean, you've done it all these years at our church. Why now? And it's like, but I, I'm just going to be real. I'm like, what if Pastor Greg thinks I'm just stupid or, you know, something like that? Think about that. Think about that. You know, so I've been reflecting back on those things um, as I was studying for all this. So, first of all, I just want to define rejection. I think most of you probably know, but rejection is basically the action of not accepting. So, to reject rejection means we're going to refuse to accept someone else rejecting us. So, that's what it means. We're just going to reject that call, right? You know, the Bible tells us not to be offended, and we can go, oh, yeah, we're not offended, but we bury it down deep inside, don't we? Okay? So I just want to get down into some basics. What happens to us when we're rejected 
And just so you all know, I do like notes. It keeps me on track. I could sit here. I think Paisley could probably tell you. I could talk to you all for an hour easily, but I will get off track if I don't focus on this here. But when we're rejected, we end up rejecting ourselves. We end up rejecting those that reject us or we think that has rejected us, and we reject others. So basically, we respond in an emotional way, right? What's the first thing that happens when we feel rejected? We say, well, you hurt my feelings. And, you know, I was thinking about this on the way over here is that, you know, there's that old saying that we wear our feelings on our sleeves. But not only do we nowadays wear our feelings on our sleeves, we wear it or we present it on social media as well. And I'm telling you guys, as believers... And I'm not looking at anyone. I don't know if anyone's even in this room that I've seen it. But I see it on people's walls of Facebook and in their Instagram post and all that stuff. So we're very sensitive people. Um, But God didn't create us to be wearing our feelings on our sleeves or on our social media post. Okay? We should be, we're set apart. People should look at us and see something different. You know, and I hear people all the time going, you know, well, I'm sad or I've got anxiety or I'm depressed. And, you know, all that is real. But we do have a decision if we want to live in that type of emotional state, right? Right? So why does rejection um, wound us so deeply? Well, it destroys our self-esteem, for one. You know, if we're not confident in ourselves because of who we are in Christ... How can we help anyone else that is needing help or be even led into the kingdom of God, right? It attacks us to the point to where we will not fulfill our purpose that he gave us in life. I mean, it's one of the most common tools that the devil's going to use to destroy us, and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. You know, we just, and I've used this saying so many times, well, you know, hurting people hurt people. You know, we try to remind each other of that. But we stay hurt through all that as well. But we need to remember that God never wanted us to feel rejected or abandoned. I mean, he wants us to know who we are in Christ. He wants us to live in freedom, right? So God's word tells us without being um, rooted or grounded in the love and acceptance of God, then we're not going to experience the fullness of God in our lives. So I want to go to Ephesians 3 and 19, and I'll give you time to get there, because actually I have a, it's not my translation, I want to read this translation to you all. Ephesians 3 and 19. I love over there with the kids, you'll go, turn to Ephesians 3, well what verse? Well can you just get to Ephesians, (laughs) then we'll work on 3, then we'll get to 19, Okay. All right, so I'm going to read this. It says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And if we're living with all these wounds in our heart, we're never going to experience the power and the life of God. It's not going to happen. We may have moments, but we're not going to live it And he came to give us life and life more abundantly, you know, right? So we need to be able to understand these things. And my my passion with the, the kids and for you all 
is for us to recognize and start a journey. I challenge you all after tonight to start exploring yourself and then get into these scriptures and more and really know, identify with who we are in Christ. Pastor Kevin on Sunday, and he, I'm telling you guys, I am being so blessed on his message on prayer. I can just tell you, um, as a believer, we hear so many different things about prayer. And I got to a point maybe two years ago where I thought, I'm not even going to pray anymore. <laughs> I mean, they say, well, you have it all already. There's nothing else that God can do. You know, we just hear all this stuff. And I did. I told Kevin, I said, I am so thankful for your teaching because, I mean, I was just like, I communicated with God, but I wasn't going into an intimate prayer with him. And so now I'm just like, thank you so much for this word. But on Sunday, he, he read the scripture in Mark 11:23 when Jesus said, Say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So I want to stop there. Have you ever prayed for that mountain to move? And then you go, I know, I'm not supposed to have any doubt. And I've actually sat there and went, I believe it, God, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. Trying to convince myself that I have no doubt in my heart. Well, when he said that word doubt translates to the word condemnation, it was like, I mean, what a revelation. So then I was like, oh my gosh, if we haven't dealt with the, the wounds of condemnation in our heart, how can we go boldly to the throne of God and get what we're asking for? We're pretending to go in there. I am bold. I am a child of God. And I really believe this, God. You're going to move that mountain. No. No. So I was just like, this is something the kids didn't get to hear because we just got that message Sunday. But I just thought, oh, my gosh. This is another reason that we've got to deal with these wounds. So rejection has a way of destroying our lives more than most things could, you know. And the sad fact is that there are so many people dealing with this, believers and unbelievers. We can't think that we're perfect. You know, we can't. We've got to be able to be transparent with each other and and honest with each other. Have people that, a mentor that we can talk to about the struggles we're going through. Um, Or we're never going to have the freedom that he came to give us. So if we want to be all that God has created us to be, we've got to be uh, able to overcome what rejection is doing to us. So I just wanted to go over causes of rejection. So I was telling you about the junior high kids. You know, we can think about the rejection they deal with, and it's mainly probably from their parents. You know, the kids feel rejected from their parents. I'm just going to share with you, um, at a very young age, my father sexually, started sexually abusing me. And during that, ridiculed me at times. And that is still a vivid memory that I have. So, you know, I had to learn to overcome that. As an adult, I mean, I couldn't deal with it as a child. But parents can uh, cause this. Our, you know, as adults, I mean, our spouses, people that we're in relationships with, Our children, our grandchildren, you know, we can feel rejection from them, the ones that we love the most. And then, and honestly, they're probably not trying to hurt our feelings. We're just being a little bit sensitive because we want them to do what we want to do and when we want to do it and at that time. 
also not being like a gifted athlete. I remember this from probably about second grade, around that age, you know, grade school. We get out on the recess um, playground and like red, y'all, did y'all play Red Rover, Red Rover? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, yeah, oh yeah. Well, you, did you get picked first? No, it's okay. So we'll talk about that later because I was never a captain. No one ever wanted me to be the captain. And then when they started choosing, you know, it's like you might have 20 kids out there and it's like, we want that one and then you're on that team and then they go, oh, I want you. And then you're sitting there going, they don't want me. And then now we're down to maybe three kids and I'm one of them. And I'm like, oh, please, please don't let me be the last one. Please don't be, because we want to be wanted. And we want to be accepted, you know. And then maybe you're chose next to the last. And what do we do? We run away going, ha, ha, they didn't want you, <laughs> you know. So then we're, we're the rejecter. So, you know, like we can be so cruel as human beings, you know. Also, we can feel rejection from what we wear, maybe our weight. We wear glasses. You know, some kids nowadays and people are wanting to wear glasses to look cool, but they're not thick like mine. So then they want to make fun of the people that, oh, they got these thick glasses. You want me to wear my glasses, guys. You do, because I would be tripping over you or calling you by the wrong name for certain. Um, and that's what I was telling the kids over there. There's several that wear glasses. And we didn't choose to have bad eyesight. God didn't create us with bad eyesight. You know, it's a fallen world. Bad things happen, and we're flawed. So why are we making fun of people? I don't understand that. But if people are making fun of us, we're going to reject it. That's what I was telling them. We've got to reject that. <laughs> when I was doing home health, that's so funny. We had this patient. I went to see him, and I was told that he had bad eyesight. Even with thick glasses, he couldn't see anything. And the glucometer we got from him, the numbers would be this big. You know, it would be like 127, and he couldn't see it. And if we wrote anything down, we had to get a black marker and write, you know, like, Ronda, you know, that big, and he'd be going, Ronda. yeah. So one day he, he said, yeah, I drive into town to go to breakfast at the Senior Citizen Center every Tuesday and th whatever it was, and I was like, and he lives, off of, um, he lives off the highway I live off of, and I said, oh, please tell me what time you leave, because I do not want to be on the highway, you know, so... He needed, I mean, thick glasses. So I wouldn't make fun of him at all. You know, I'd just feel better about it. But that's what we do is make fun of people. And then we have rejection of not being popular. Even adults, we deal with that. Like we're not a part of the group or we're not a part of the clique or they don't invite me to any of their things. And, well, maybe they did, you know, for three years and you never went, so they quit inviting you, you know. Or, you know, it's just we just, a lot of times we have to remember that, it, uh, rejection could be really happening or it could be perceived. But no matter what, it's real to us. You know, even if it's not really happening, we take it. Um, I just, like I said, I can just tell you stories after stories of rejection that I've recognized in my life. But what are the dynamics? What happens when we're rejected? We start to reject those that reject us. And then we start to reject other people that we might think would be like the one that did reject us. And then we end up rejecting ourselves, which is not healthy. So rejection engages our emotions to respond to hurt, and then, like I said, we carry those offenses. You know, our thoughts are powerful. In Proverbs 18 and 21, it tells us that words have power in the matters of life and death, and those uh, who love them will savor the fruit. 
So it's not only the people that are talking bad about us, maybe. It's what we're saying about ourselves. And then in Proverbs, it says in 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm such a loser. I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. I mean, have you all ever said stuff like that to yourself? So that's coming from your heart. So it's obviously there. People might have planted it, but we let it grow. So we've got to make sure that we take care of those those words coming into our hearts. So the root of rejection, to put it very simple, is misplaced identity. You know, we've had so much teaching on identity, who we are in Christ. But we still have not realized for ourselves who we really are, what our true identity is. So what happens... Um, Oh, let me, I about jumped ahead here. So whenever we base our identity on what other people think about us, we're basically telling God he's a liar. We've got to let God tell us who we are, right? So let's look at the fruit of rejection. I'm just going to go over these. Rebellion, that's all ages. Fabricated personalities, trying to be someone that we're not. That happens in ministry. You know, there is not um, more than one Pastor Greg. There's not more than one Joyce Myers. You know, we were created uniquely and for a unique purpose. So we got to quit trying to be someone else. You know, people are wanting to be like influencers or movie stars or athletes that are famous because, you know, we think they have the perfect life. But honestly, most of them are miserable dying at a young age, you know, getting into all kinds of trouble, always broken relationships, it's because they're dealing with the same things that we are. But we, <laughs> we know the answer, right? So then we have also another fruit is a tendency to reject others. I mean, if I reject you, Leela, then you can't reject me. Think about that. And then what we're doing is distancing, I can't even talk, distancing ourselves from others that could be a great support to us. Also, the tendency to worry if a person's going to reject us or accept us. Worried about what people are going to think about us. Um, we have self-pity. <laughs> have you all ever done that? Nobody likes me. <laughs> I've done that a lot. Inability to be corrected. Or receive constructive criticism. Always right. Opinionated. I'm not going to say anything about that yet. Feeling of worthlessness or insecurity, hopelessness, envy, jealousy, hate could be rooted from rejection. Fear of confrontation. Hard time admitting that you're wrong and stubbornness. I came clean over there with the kids when I read through all that. I said, you know, after I listed all those out... I was like, okay, Rhonda, 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 Rhonda. I, I think I could check them all off that I have battled with those situations and those um, ways of feeling about myself. So the truth is, though, that we were created to be loved, and we were created to be accepted. <laughs> and like I said, it's not about what other people think about us or say about us. It's what God thinks about us and says, says about us. See, we're never, never, never made to live apart from God. 
and base our identity on the things of this world. That's what we do is let the world tell us who we are, who we should be, right? So we need to rise above rejection. So anytime we base our identity on what we think of ourselves, like I said, we're just basically telling God that, you know, he's not qualified to tell us who we are. And that's kind of sad, you know, not kind of, it is sad. So to rise above rejection, we need to know our identity. So we get our identity here from God's word. And I'm, I got a funny story to tell you about that too, so I'll wait though. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 3, and 5. Ephesians 1, we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. So I'm going to start at verse 3. It says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him. So let's stop there. He chose us. Y'all got that? He chose us. We weren't the last Okay, he chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Then this is great, too. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. He adopted us to be his children. How awesome is that? He adopted us. Let me get to where I was at now. Okay. Um, for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That really got me. His good pleasure. He was pleased to choose us. He was pleased to adopt us. He didn't go, oh my gosh, I made a horrible mistake when I chose Bob. I had to get Bob in there. I told Kevin he's lucky he's not here tonight because I always try to, I mean, if y'all ever heard me speak before, he is my punchlines. So... <laughs> And I told him, I said, honey, I, I don't think I have anything to say about you tonight. Uh, this, he called me for, I headed over here, and I said, I don't think I have anything. And he goes, oh, you always have something in your pocket. And I said, no, really, I don't have anything funny about you and rejection. So it's kind of sad, kind of ruined my night. So it goes on, it's his good pleasure of his will to praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. See, it's scriptures like that that we don't need to just read, but we need to read and receive and read and receive until it's in our hearts and pushing all that negativity out. And I'm guilty. You know, we feel obligated. Well, I've got to read my Bible today. And we walk away and we don't even remember what we read unless we wrote down that we read Romans, you know, 3, whatever. It doesn't impact us. If it did, if we were really doing what we're supposed to be doing and getting to know who we are in Christ, we wouldn't have any issues, right? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. So, let me move that out of the way. So, we've got to see ourselves for who we are in Christ. So, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. You can write them down. You don't have to turn there. But in Romans 12 and 2, it says, Do not allow this world to mold you, mold you into its own image. The world's telling us we're not good enough. The world's telling us, you know, we're not smart enough. We're not wearing the right clothes, or we're not driving the right vehicles, or we're not living in the right neighborhoods, or we don't have this, or we don't have that. 
But it tells us in God's word we are not to let that happen. We have that choice. We have to guard our hearts. We've got to reject this stuff, right? And then in 1 John 3, verses 1 through 2, I'm just going to read parts of it here. It says, Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He has called us children of God, and it's true that we are his beloved children. Think about that. Don't just read it. I mean, I want you all to go home and read this and meditate on it and take it in. Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He calls us children of God. And it's true, we are his beloved children. Then down in verse 2 it says, My loved ones, we have been adopted into God's family, and we are officially his children now. Amen? I was thinking, when I was reading over this, I was thinking, so if I'm a child of God, then in my household I've got God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, then there's me and Kevin. Wouldn't we mess up the census count if we counted all them when we were turning in our census? I thought that we would just mess the government up completely, right? Because I am a child of God. He's with me all the time. Amen? So, so anyway, when I was sharing this over at junior high, I actually, you all are so lucky. I had like 20 pages of notes. I mean, God had given me so much and stuff. But anyway, I had typed up a full page, front and back, of scriptures stating who we are in Christ, about being chosen and being loved and being accepted. And I read those first two, and I said, I have this front and back page of scriptures, and that's only a tip of the iceberg of what's in here that we can find out about who we are in Christ. We just got to figure it out and get in there, right? And I said, do you want me to read these to you? All of these in one little Well, let me explain this. The graphic for over there was a hand, it said reject rejection, but there was a hand like this from the elbow up, like this, and it said no in red, really big. So anyway, I said, do you want me to read all this to you? And this one little boy in the front row held up his hand and goes, no. <laughs> and I said, well, I feel a little rejected, so I'm going to let you get into that, and I'm going to guard my heart and not take offense by it, okay? But it was cute. So we've got, we're responsible for correcting our identity. We can come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and we can hear all these wonderful messages, and we can take all of our notes, but unless we're really digging into the Word and believing what it says about us, not just one scripture, but just have a goal to find several, to lift yourself up and continue and continue because you've got to renew your mind. It's not going to happen. Go in, and then it's just going to be there forever. We are responsible. Um, so one thing we have to understand that We've got to understand, we're loved. God loves us. And I've been saying this for several months to several of the kids over there. If we fully understood how much God loves us, we wouldn't have any issues. We wouldn't have any enemies. We wouldn't have all these wounds. But we don't fully understand. And like I said, the only way we're going to do that is by getting, like I said, into his word. You know, I read this um, quote from Benny Hinn, and I thought it was really powerful. It says, Benny Hinn once said, when you believe in God's power, God can. But when you believe in his love, God will. Think about that. When you believe in his love, he will. Now let's go back to what Pastor Kevin said about the word doubt in our heart is condemnation. If we have that in our heart, we do not understand the fully 
amount of love that God has for us. So that's why he says in here, being again, God will. It's because we truly understand the love of God. That's when we're going to see those mountains move. I mean, he's already done everything. It's on our end. People get offended by that, but it's the truth. It's on our end. Do you know, and this just popped in my head. I don't know where this has come from, but it's for someone, I guess. But I used to pray to God to change people. And what, well, here we go. This is great. One of those persons was my husband. <laughs> well, thank you, Lord. So our marriage was so rocky when we first got married. When we got married, we were like, oh, we're on fire for God. We're going to start serving. We're going to do everything that we can. We're going to go to church all the time, every time a door opens or whatever. But in our home, we were yelling and screaming, and we didn't like each other. And one day I just said, God, you've got to change him. I can't keep putting up with him. You know, you've got to change him. And God's like, okay, Rhonda, I can't make anyone change. But what I can do is help you change yourself. Oh, oh, me. <laughs> and that's when God started showing me that, you, girl, you have anger. You have jealousy. You like to gossip. He just started putting all this stuff out there, and it did. It, it really hit me hard, and I was like, mm-hmm, you're right. So help me work on this. And as I started to change, he started to change, and our lives just continue to get better and better. Isn't that amazing? So we've got to understand that we can't ask, you know, these people that are mean to us or whatever, we can't, God can't change them. They have to be open to being changed by God themselves, right? And we are the ones that need to change ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, right? We need to remember that we're chosen. In Christ, you're not only loved, but chosen. He sent Jesus to die for us. He... He died so we could be a part of the family. Isn't that amazing? You know, he gave his son for all of us, everyone that's ever existed and ever will exist. And I've said before, I would never sacrifice one of my children for any of you. Sorry, <laughs> don't get rejected by that, right? But I wouldn't because they're my children. And I love them dearly. And I would just have to say, see you, Jeff. <laughs> you know, I just have to do that. But God didn't. He, and, you know, how amazing. Jesus, a man, and God, but a man, he didn't want to go to that cross. He didn't want to. He said, please, if there's any other way, God. But when God told him no... You've got to do this for Rhonda. You've got to do this for Bob and Leela and Patrick. You've got to do this for Christina. He was like, okay, Father, your will be done, not mine. Mm, mm. So make no mistake, you're chosen and you're wanted. You're forgiven. In order to be counted as a child of God, you have to be free of sin. So to do that, we just have to accept what Jesus did for us. It's a choice. And it's pretty easy. Mm. You're redeemed. So what does your forgiveness mean? It means you're redeemed. That Jesus' sacrifice bought, brought you back from sin and evil and put you in right standing with God. You're adopted. That means you're considered a child of God. 
It means that you've been adopted into his family. You are a legitimate child of God. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Legitimate child. And he chose us. He chose me. I just think that's so amazing. In Ephesians 2 and 19, it says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God people, God's people and also members of his household. <laughs> oh, God is so good. 1 John 3 and 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is because it didn't know him. Who cares if the world likes us? Right? We are children of God. And we have a family. Right? And our goal should be to get them in our family with us. Right? So in 1 Peter 2 and 9, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. Mm. So what steps can you take to receive freedom from rejection? And I'm watching my time, and I'm doing really good. I'm not, I'm not like Pastor Greg <laughs> or Pastor Kevin. Kevin, bless his heart, he told me, he said, now, honey, just take your time. Just be calm. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. Because yeah, I think he knows I get worked up a little bit, too, and talk a lot. So he said, if you're done at 8, that's great. But if not, you'll be fine. I was like, dude, I ain't keeping them to 830. I don't want them growling at me and rejecting me. <laughs> I loved it when Pastor Karen said one time something about, them preaching long or whatever. Because, you know, when you're working with kids, you don't want to go too long. And Pastor Karen, one time, they said she went, let my people go. <laughs> thought that was so great. I'm like, yes, yes. So step one is recognize the nature of your problem and call it by its name. My heart is full of rejection. We need to admit it, figure out what it is, what caused it, and then let's eliminate it. Let's see here. Okay. So we've got to admit it. Um, before we can receive his help, we've got to, like I said, just know that it's there. Um, this is so crazy. So when I was sharing this with the kids, I was just talking, and I'm a pacer, and I can't pace much here or I'll fall off. But anyway, I'm just pacing back and forth, and as I was talking, I, God brought this back to my remembrance in I was like, wow, but I was sharing the story that I have had a cousin. He's deceased now, but we're the same age. We were in school together, same grade. Our moms are twins, so we're like brothers and sisters. And so at school, you know, like I said, they tried to keep us out of the same class a lot because we were like siblings, and we would fight every once in a while too. But when we were just finished with our freshman year, we went on a little trip together as a family, and of course we're spending a lot of time together, and he's like, hey Rhonda, do you know at school, and he started naming off these guys in high school, and they were the popular guys, they really think you're pretty. And I'm like, because ah! I mean, I'm telling you as a kid, I dealt with a lot of rejection. I didn't really have, I didn't feel loved a lot, you know, and I didn't have self-confidence at all. But anyway, and when he's telling me all that, I kind of perked up a little bit. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, but none of them want to date you. 
But why? Well, because of your eye. And I was born with a lazy eye. My eye turns in, you know. And I was crushed. I remember that hurt me so bad. And he wasn't trying to hurt me. He just thought he was boosting my self-esteem by telling me that they like me. But, you know, and as I'm telling this to these kids, my voice cracked. And I almost started crying. And God showed me that there, that was still in my heart. And I hadn't seen it, or I just pushed it so far back that I didn't want to deal with it. And I was like, oh, my. And I told those kids, I said, oh, God just showed me that. I wasn't going to share this with you, but oh, my. I didn't even know it was there. And I said, but that's how good he is. If we start getting into this and wanting to be better and want to be healed and be full of his life, then we've got to just go through some pain, too. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. So then step two, oh, this is a good one. You've got to take Jesus as your pattern. You know, like Pastor Kevin's always saying this, not Jesus didn't only come to be an example for us, but an example of us, right? And in 1 Peter 2 and 21, it says, Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow. Okay, so now let's think about this. One of the most amazing and tragic decisions in all of human history happened right before Jesus went to the cross. He was up here. There's a huge crowd of people. Let's picture that. Here's Pilate. Here's Jesus. And here's Barabbas. Days before that, and years before that, during his ministry, people were flocking to see him, to hear his messages, right? Flocking to hear, to have him heal them and deliver them from demonic spirits and oppression. I mean, they were just like, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus is so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, this crowd is out there, and Pilate's here, and Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus. He didn't want any of that on his hands. So he was like, Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Barabbas out here because this is the time of year I can let one person go. So we've got Barabbas here. Who's, I could just picture him just being ugly. And I don't care if he thinks I'm rejecting him. I think he's ugly, and I think he's probably stinky and, you know, just vicious. He was a murderer, you know. And so Pilate's thinking, they don't want him on the streets. They don't want to cross his path. And then we have Jesus, the one that they were just, oh, you're so wonderful, you know, standing over here, an innocent man. And he goes, who do you choose to have released? And they were like, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. We want him. We want the rebel. We want the murderer. We want that ugly, stinky guy. How did Jesus feel? How did he feel? Oh, my gosh. And we worry about someone saying, oh, gosh, she wears thick glasses. Or, oh, my gosh, look at her shoes. And let that hurt us for our lives? So to be an example of Jesus, let's go here in Luke 23, 34. I'll read this to you. So in the response, Jesus prayed for those who had crucified him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So why are we holding offenses against anyone? Why are we letting their words crush us and ruin our lives? Not only are, if we're hurting and we have these wounds, they're not only destroying us, they're destroying our loved ones. Right? And those that are around us, they're destroying our purpose in life. 
What we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God is not happening because of these type of things. And if we're going to make Jesus an example, then we've got to forgive those who have hurt us. That's the only way you're going to heal. I know, I, like I said, the situation with my father, I had to forgive him. I had to forgive him. I even one day, I was like, God, why? And my dad was dead at that time. You forget, you can forgive dead people, right? Because you're still caring and it's causing damage in you. But I remember, I was like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Because that was so many parts of my issues with the anger and all that stuff. It's because I just kept it inside. I thought I was a tough girl. You know, I didn't have to deal with that. I didn't have to talk about it. And, you know, I can handle anything. But it was destroying me inside. Destroying me. And when I said, God, why, why, why did this happen to me? He said, Rhonda, you live in a fallen world. (laughs) You know? He said, I can't just go down there and just stop things. My dad had issues. And I ended up being a victim of his issues. But I can't let anyone else in my life and my family be a victim of the issues he created in me with all that anger, right? Oh, gosh. God is so, so good. So like I said, we've got to forgive others. I had another situation one time where a particular person was really mean to me for years and did really bad things to me. And I knew that if I wanted to walk in freedom, that I had to forgive them. So I went to God and I said, okay, God, I forgive this person. And I just pray for blessings in their lives. I pray for wealth in their lives. I pray for healing in their lives. And I just said it all. And when I got done, I still didn't like them. (laughs) Next day, okay, God, I forgive this person. Please bless them with wealth, health. You know, I was going through it all. And I still don't like them. So the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and then it was like weeks down the road, all of a sudden I thought, oh, I feel better. It started getting released. You can't just say, yeah, I forgave them. Forgiveness is not an emotion or whatever. It's a decision. And most people say, I won't forgive them for what they did to me, or I can't forgive them. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) yes you can but you can't just say oh I forgive them you have got to go to God and you've got to just declare it and pray for blessings for them and if you don't believe it just keep on and keep on and keep on and oh my gosh one day I had freedom I had freedom from that person they weren't they didn't even know they were making my life so miserable I think they had a goal to try to do that at times but they weren't worried about me and then wasn't too long after that I got a little um Oh, someone told me that, oh, they just got, you know, a big raise, and they're doing, like, financially so much better. Well, why didn't I get a raise? (laughs) I went right back to the flesh. I was like, no, God, thank you for giving those blessings that I prayed for for them, you know. So, like I said, we have to just pull ourselves back up and just, like, declare God's word over our lives. And I read this as I was preparing, and it was talking about, you know, ulcers. You know, most people think, you know, ulcers are caused by what we eat. But this said, ulcers are not what a man is eating, but what is eating the man. Woo! That's why we're sick. Every, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and a lot of you have heard my testimony. Um, I don't know, I was like 20, 
It, I was so sick that first year and a half. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They were talking about putting me in a nursing home because I couldn't take care of myself. I was sick. But luckily, man, doctors helped me get into a point of remission, and there was like tons of medicine to take and all this stuff to, just so I could try to function and not just be unbearable. But through learning about God and learning about healing is for me, that Jesus died on the cross for me, you know, and he took my illnesses. You know, I just put my trust in him. And then all of a sudden I quit taking the medicine and I started getting better. But God was showing me that it was because of all the hurt and the anger and, you know, the bad self-esteem I had in me that it was destroying me. And I don't know if y'all know that rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disorder, that your immune system attacks yourself. It's attacking your body. When I realized who I was in Christ, and I started looking at myself differently, it went away. I'm healed. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But that's what happens. It's all the, the enemy is using that to make us sick to make us have depression, to make us have anxiety and stress. So step three says make a conscious decision to get rid of the bad fruit. you got to make a conscious decision to get rid of bitterness, resentment, hatred, rebellion. If you're carrying that stuff, and I was, and I still have to go, whoa, Rhonda, because, I mean, I, you can go back there really easy, right? But you have to decide to get rid of it. Think about this. When Jesus went to the cross, he died so that we can have life. Right? Also, he took our sins so we could be made righteous. Think about that. He took our diseases so that we could be healed. He took our poverty so that we could have riches, right? He took our shame so that we can have glory. He took our sadness so that we can have joy. He took our anxiety so that we can have peace. He took our enemy status so we could be called a child of God. He took our curses and gave us blessings, and he took the rejection so that we could be accepted. And why are we not taking advantage of all that? If we're walking with sins in our life, diseases, shame, sadness, anxiety, poverty, curses, rejection, then we're just saying what Jesus did wasn't good enough. <sighs> I don't want to ever take granted of what he did on that cross Amen. and sit around and feel sorry for myself or worry about what someone else is going to think of me or say about me. I don't want that. I want to walk in the fullness of Christ. I want to have that abundant life that he came to give us, right? So step four. I gotta get a drink. And just so you know, there's only five steps. So you don't have to worry too much on the time here. <laughs> so in this step, on step four, you simply need to receive and believe what God has already done for you. Can't help you if you're not a believer. <laughs> right? So we gotta believe the what Jesus did on the cross for us. Every bit of it, not just to get us a ticket to heaven, but to give us heaven here on earth. Right? God's purpose from the start of, uh, of eternity was, eternity was to make us his children. And he did that through Jesus. And then step five, you've got to accept yourself. That's the hardest step. <laughs> but you don't know me, Rhonda. Or you just don't, you know, we even tell God that, God, you just don't know how bad I am. 
Well, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. And guess what? He still loves you. Isn't that awesome? In Ephesians 2 and 10, it tells us we are God's workmanship. And the Greek word translated here for workmanship is poema, and from which we derive the English word poem. So it suggests an artistic achievement. We are God's masterpieces. Think about this. He spoke everything into existence. The Bible tells, let there be light, you know, in the water. In all, he spoke it all. But when it came to man, what does the board say? That he formed us from the dust. The first time I heard that, I'll have to say this real quick and just throw a little plug in. My daughter, who happens to be over here tonight, shared that at our church in Drumright. She shared that, and I, I had never caught that, that the Bible says that God formed us. He formed us from the dust. He thought we were so special and so precious that he, we're his masterpiece, that he wanted to put his hands into it, and then he breathed his life into us. Isn't that amazing? I think that is just so amazing. So, so amazing. So we've got to understand, we have the vertical acceptance and that's the acceptance of God. But do you know we can have horizontal acceptance as well? And that's through the body of Christ. And finding your place in the body is going to make your acceptance a real day-to-day -day experience. And I'm just going to tell you all, this is the truth. If you're not putting yourself with other believers coming to church, serving in church, you're not going to realize that you have that acceptance. I want it to be a reality. And, and I'm getting ready to close, but I want to close with this. It's a little bit of a testimony. So like I said, my husband and I had our own church over in Drumright for many years. It started out actually in Olive in a little barn. And then we thought, oh, we're moving up. We went to Drumright. <laughs> <laughs> But we had good air conditioning in that building. We were in a barn before, you know. So anyway, so we served there. We had Sunday night services and Wednesday night services. Um, Sunday nights, it was usually, we had some people that would help. But, you know, a lot of times working with the kids would fall on me. Um, Wednesday nights, I ministered. Uh, Kevin did all the worship and the preaching on Sunday nights and then Wednesday nights. And then when we connected with Lake Church and went to Oilton, I ended up working with the kids a lot. A lot. And, and we still had our church. I kind of got sick of the kids, to be honest with you. They're precious. I'm telling you, the kids are precious. But it's hard. It's very hard. And it will wear you out. And you've got, you got to be strengthened by the Lord for sure to do that. It's such a reward, such a reward. So, anyway, saying that, when we came over to Maine and we closed down our church, um, my way of serving uh, was you know, doing offering or transitions and stuff like that. Because, you know, I, I was a pastor's wife. You know, I, I was thinking in my mind, I don't need to be working with those little kids anymore. I just need to be sitting there and being all happy or whatever. And I was approached one day by Pastor Karen. I mean, we've been here several years. <laughs> she actually took me to my car. <laughs> I mean, it was serious, too. She said, Rhonda, you need to find a place to plug in. Oh, I'm plugged in. I do transitions. I do openings. I do offerings. I pay my tithes. <laughs> so 
So I said, so I'm plugged in. She said, no. And she had me crying because she was right. I get emotional. I've shared this before, but, but I'm just thankful when people are honest with us. So finally, I got back with her after that long conversation. I told her I'd pray about it and see where I wanted. Because, you know, I was thinking, coffee shop? <laughs> Greeter? You know, something like that. Work the bookstore, whatever. I can do, you know. No, Rhonda, no, she kept saying. So I got back with her, and I said, okay, I'll work with, in the nursery, I'll work with babies. I love babies. I don't mind changing diapers either. I've done a lot of that. I have two daughters that I raise, and then I also have now four grandkids. So, I mean, I don't have a problem changing diapers and loving on babies and telling them Jesus loves you. So, she agreed. So, the first day I was to serve in the nursery, I walk over there where it was Thunder Kids building then. And I walked over there, and I don't even remember who stopped me and said, Oh, Pastor Karen said you're really needed infusion today. We're fine in nursery, but we need you desperately over there. Okay, I'll go over there for today. I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been a long time. Now it's not even fusion. It's junior high, Area 51 junior high. And um, they have taught me so much. So much about myself, so much about God, so much about how the world's hurting. And I am so thankful that Pastor Karen pushed me. And then I think a lot of you know I was out for quite some time because of COVID and my job. And uh, so when I came back, I was like, I mean, I really, I mean, anyway, I was just like, I just wasn't ready to go back around all those kids. And um, anyway, it was time again, and I volunteered this time. <laughs> I mean, I did. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's time. Put me on the schedule once a month, Bobby, just once a month. Y'all don't see me over here hardly ever, do you? So that's not what's happening, but they're a blessing. So I just wanted to share that with y'all because even though serving could be scary or intimidating, um, that's, you're letting those wounds of rejection keep you from doing that, honestly. And there's a place for you to plug in, and it might not be the easiest place. But I promise you, when you do, you're going to be so blessed. You know, right now, now that Area 51 and uh, Junior High are together, you know, we do worship together and offering, and then we break off. But, you know, I've had the opportunity to get to know those leaders that I didn't get to know, and they're blessing my lives. I mean, those are some amazing people, you know, and like I said, they're speaking into my life, and I know I have the opportunity to speak in their lives, too, as well as the kids that are there. So I just want to encourage you all, like I said, to receive that vertical acceptance and also to receive that horizontal acceptance. And together, you know, we can change our lives. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. If you just bow your head real quick, I just want to thank God for this opportunity tonight. Father God, I just want to thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I just thank you for your son Jesus and your Holy Spirit. I just thank you for your word, Father God. And I just, I just ask that each and every one of us that are here tonight accept the challenge to go on a journey to discover who we really are in Christ and learn how to guard our hearts and know our true identity in you, Father God.
and that our lives will be changed, and by our lives changing, the, the lives around us are going to change, Father God. And Father God, I just pray blessings over all that are here tonight. Amen. So I'm going to turn this over to Bob to close. I wouldn't go too far, Rhonda. Um, as she was ministering, I really felt, you know, the last three weeks we've heard messages, and they've all basically, actually the last four weeks, yeah, uh, they've basically been talking about our inner being. And, um, you know, I really feel like there are people here that this title is talking to them. And I'd like you to go on down here, if you would, Miss Rhonda. And I want to give you an opportunity, because I think sometimes we're so fast to get out of church. We, we, well, I've been like this forever, or I've done this. And the anointing on her tonight is to break the rejection and I think there are people here that have been dealing with this rejection in their lives, but they did, you know, you get to the point sometimes where you need that little extra prayer to help you get to the next level, so to speak. And so I want to invite you to come up and let Rhonda pray over you, with you, about rejection in your life. It's not saying that you're a bad person. It doesn't, you're not out there sinning and stuff. Listen, we all go through rejection. I mean, every one of us. But sometimes the rejections of our past, as she said, hang on and hang on. And, and it, for her, like forgiving people, she said that she had to keep blessing them. And keep blessed. And finally, she realized that she was able to move on. And tonight can be the start of you moving on. But for you to move on, you've got to come up here and start the process. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to start praying. And if you feel like you need her to pray over you, please come up quickly. Father, we just thank you tonight. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the bonds that are going to be broken tonight. I thank you that rejection will be no more in people's lives. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to set people free in this place. I thank you. Don't just sit there. If you deal with some of the stuff that she was talking about, Get up here tonight. Men, if you want to come up, I'll ask Patrick to come over here and he can pray over you. Come on, men. We're the worst ones for rejection and we don't want to admit it. So if you're here and you feel like you've been rejected as a man, come up here to Patrick. Father, we just thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you tonight. Thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our minds, Lord. 
Help us to see ourselves as you see us, Lord. Father, we just give you praise tonight. Thank you for those that have been bold enough to come forward tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you tonight. Worship him. Come on, let's, let's lift up his name tonight. Let's get the Holy Spirit involved in here tonight. Father, we just praise you tonight. We thank you for the word that's come forth out of Rhonda tonight, Lord. Father, I just thank you that you have been ministering to the hearts and lives of people here. I thank you that you ministered to those online that weren't able to make it tonight. I thank you that they do not live under rejection, Lord, but they reject rejection. And Father, we just thank you tonight. Thank you tonight. Thank you tonight. Thank you tonight. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Oh, you are a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have the other ministers please come up front? If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we have other ministers that will be up here tonight as they continue to pray. If you've fallen away from the Lord and you want to rededicate your life, they're up here to pray with you also. If you need healing in your body, we want to give you opportunity for that. Please avail yourself to that. Also, if you um, need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, if you've never had that, I invite you to come. Just stay in an attitude of prayer, and we'll close out this service for those of you that need to go. Thank you for being here tonight. You're